Hey, we're beginning a brand new series today called TikTok Theology. If you don't know what TikTok is, ask your grandkid, ask, ask your child, <laughs> find somebody young around you and uh, they'll be able to tell you. And, uh, but we're beginning this series. I'm really excited to jump in this teaching over this month of September. So I'd encourage you not to miss a month. You could have perfect attendance. You've started off well. Um, you could have per some of you like, I never had perfect attendance at anything. This is your time. Just come every Sunday in September, you'll have perfect attendance. Um, but we're glad you're in the house. How many of you ever heard this phrase? You've said it, heard somebody say it. It's such a common phrase. Hey, did you see this post? Yeah. Hey, I just posted this, right? Everything's about the post. Everybody's making a post, reading a post, um, digesting a post, liking a post, commenting on a post, um, because our lives are really intertwined in so many ways with social if you're a little bit older, that social media, it's short, it's the slangs, what the kids are saying these days, social, what's up? And um, I have no, no coolness at all, it all left. I turned 40 a little while ago, and uh, I'm not telling you how long ago, but it left. And, uh, but I, I'm, not, I'm not a social hater. Like, I'm not like all social is bad, you know, and is sending the world to hell in a handbasket. I don't believe that. Some of it is, not all of it. Um, but I, I, like, I like it, like I can keep up with family members. How many of you, be real honest, raise a hand. You find out what's going on in your family on social before they tell you. Exactly, I knew, y'all. Yeah, that's the same thing in my family. I'm like, so sister, you're in Mexico again? <laughs> oh, I'm happy for you. Praise God, heart emoji, We're, you know. <laughs> I'm not bitter at all that you're on vacation and I'm here with all four of my children again. I'm joking. I love my kids most days, right? So, um, but it's fun. It's informative. I can keep up with PGA or live golf, you know, no golfers in the house. Sorry. Um, that's what I keep up with. I can keep up with my sports teams. Hello, college football. Thank you, Lord, for bringing it that time of year again. And, um, but you can keep up with family and friends. Um, it can be fun, like so many things like to share and laugh about. Matter of fact, this week, if you follow me, um, then I posted a TikTok dance that Faith and I did. Some of you saw that. And uh, it's, it's got quite the shares, everybody. I checked before I came out. It's at just close to 16,000 people watched it. And, um, and so that means in a matter of hours, I was thoroughly able to embarrass my older kids, which is like hashtag parent goals, and, um, and, and have video evidence that your pastor has no rhythm, no ability to dance. Matter of fact, I've had people this morning already that were like, pastor, before you do that again, let us help you out. <laughs> I was like, you assume I'll do that again. Um, because at weddings, I'm like, Tammy has rhythm. She can dance. I'm like, babe, this is me right here. This is it. This is all you're getting. Slow song comes on. I'll give you one of those. If it gets a little fast, I stay right here. I'm with Will Smith hitch like, right. You know what I mean? Y'all seen that? Okay. Some of you seen that movie. We got heathens here. It's great. And so I'm joking. I'm joking, but I think it's no secret, right? That that the algorithms are created also to try to influence the way you think. There, I'm, I'm not, this isn't some conspiracy theory, like it's, you know, they, they, it, it's free, the app is free to you because it's made money on advertisements and the advertisements and the algorithms are pushing to inform how you think and decisions you make. So it's trying to 
it's trying to inform how you shop, right? Like all of a sudden, because the influencer wore that hat, you got to go get that brand, that, you know, big, are y'all following me? Like just because they, and so they're going to push the things that they need to push. They want to inform what you eat. Like you saw the taco and now you're like, I need tacos and I don't know what's wrong with me. And they want to inform how you vote and they want to inform how all, they want to inform how you lose weight and they want to inform the vacations that you go on. And, and they're, they're trying to constantly push perspectives and thoughts so that you think a certain way and believe a certain way and therefore act a certain way. If you're with me, say amen. And my concern is this, is that without even realizing it, you'll allow TikTok to shape your theology instead of the scriptures to shape your theology. That you'll allow social, whether you're like, well, I'm not on TikTok. Okay, for all the 40-somethings, Facebook. For the 20s and 30s, Instagram. For the 20s and teens, be real. TikTok, Snapchat, or whatever your choice is, it's pushing the messages. And I'm concerned that without even realizing it, without thinking about it, it begins to inform our theology. And some of you are going, Pastor, I'm not a pastor. I didn't go to cemetery, seminary. I mean, like, I don't have a theology. That's what it was like, y'all. I got out alive. I don't have a theology, but I would propose that you do because theology is simply this. Its technical definition is theos, God, ology, the study of. But theology at its basic form, and I want you, if you're, if you're a note taker, open your note app, right? Because if you're a note taker, write it down. If not, write it down. Okay, let's go to our Bible app today. Theology is simply thoughts about God. In, in, in its most basic form, I understand a more academic form, it is the study of God, but in its basic form, it is what you think about when you think about God. And I agree with A.W. Tozer in his book, The Knowledge of the Holy, he said, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Let me say that again. What comes into your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. Your career is not the most important thing about you. Your net worth is not the most important thing about you. How many children you have is not the most important thing about you. Where you go to school is not the most important thing. Whether or not you make the team, get accepted into the group, get in the club. It, those are not the most important. The most important thing about you is what comes into your mind when you think about God. Why? Because what you think about God informs what career you go into. What you think about God informs how you do marriage. It informs how you do parenting. It informs how you handle your money and if you'll have any net worth. It informs all those things in your life. So what you think about when you think about God is the most important thing about you and your thoughts about God are your theology and some of us have TikTok informing our theology instead of a biblical theology and we don't even realize it. And my prayer for you as your pastor is that you'd have a biblical theology. And all of you have one. You all have a theology. You all have thoughts about God. And what you think about God is the most important thing about you. I think Tozer was right. And so today I, I want to give you some things about theology or what you think about God. Or let me say it this way. What is truth and where do you source it or where do you get it from? Can I teach you a little bit today? Yeah. 
Okay, let me give you three things truth is not, then I'm gonna give you four things truth is. I know you're like, that's seven points. He's got 25 minutes and 30 seconds. He'll never do this. I did it in the first, ended on time. Okay. Second service though, there's no service coming behind it. I can go as long as I want. I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> Somebody's getting up and leaving now. They're like, he's got... Let me give you number one is this. So important, so important. Number one is this, truth is not relative. Truth is not relative. Hear, hear me, I, I really want you to get this. I want you to digest this. Truth is not relative. Relativism is this, it's the thought that truth changes with culture and time and experience. And it's this idea that there are no absolutes in the world. In other words, there are no truth claims that are true throughout time, eternity, culture, civilization, that there are no absolutes. The problem is that statement alone is an absolute. Are y'all following me? The statement that there are no absolutes is an absolute. And so truth isn't relative. Matter of fact, we like to operate in absolutes. Absolutes create stability. Absolutes help civilizations, morality, ethics, all those things work around absolutes. I'll prove it to you. You want absolutes in your life. You don't want to go to a doctor and be like, something going on in this kind of vicinity of your body. Now you want to be like, is it the lungs? Is it the heart? Are you following me? You don't want to go to the pharmacist and be like, we got your prescription. Take somewhere between, I don't know, 150 milligrams, 500 a day. You're like, whoa, time out, boss. I want to know exactly. I want to know the exact prescription. I want to know the exact absolute. We, we've, you, you, you want absolutes in traffic. Not that you all follow them. Not that we, <laughs> myself in there, that we all, are you know what I mean? But you don't want to be like green means, it could mean stop, could mean go. I mean, it depends on who you are. Depends on how you're feeling. Depends on the circumstances of the day. No, green always means go. Red always means stop. Yellow always means speed up. <laughs> Can I get an amen in the house of God? I mean, those are absolutes. If you're with me, shout amen. All right, number two. Truth is not always popular. Truth is not always popular. So just because it's trending doesn't mean it's true. Just because it went viral doesn't mean it's valid. And so truth is not always popular. And what is happening is that we begin to digest it because it's, it's trending, it's, it's popular. Just because just LeBron said it doesn't mean it's true. I like LeBron, I mean, he's no Jordan. He's pretty good, but he's no Jordan. I like him. Let's set the record straight right now. He's no MJ. But just because he said it doesn't mean it's true. Are you following me? Can I push on you? Just because your political party's leader said it's true. I don't care which side of the aisle you're on. Doesn't mean it's true. Are you with me? And it's not always popular. And right now we live in a culture that has reframed and redefined tolerance. Tolerance used to mean that you and I can disagree and we can be respectful with each other. 
now if I disagree with you and I don't consider your thought valid and all thoughts equal, then now I'm a bad guy and I get named all kinds of names. Are you following me? And truth is not always popular. Let me show you. If you say the earth is flat, earth is flat and I say the earth is round, one of our opinions is not equal. Are y'all following me? So truth is not always popular. Number three, let me give you this real quick. Truth is not always what we feel. It could have been bad pizza. And there's a phrase that's really, really popular right now that just like makes me cringe a little bit. And it's this, it's that, well, it's my truth. I know, I know I'm coming. I'm coming. Somebody's like, you going for bodies today, pastor. I'm like, let the bodies hit the floor. And so, <laughs> so wrong. I am dialed in today. I don't know what is happening. It was not like this first service. <laughs> But, but if you're not the source of truth, then you don't own truth. You have an experience, 100%. You have a perspective, 100%. But to label it truth is a whole nother thing. Are you with me? Because how I feel one month is not how I may feel the next month. And truth isn't changing. And so truth is not what we feel. And here is my prayer for you. And it's found in Ephesians 4. It was Paul's prayer for the church in Ephesus. It's, it's as your pastor, if you consider me your pastor, this is my prayer for you. It's this, is that then we'll no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful posting, I mean, in scheming. <laughs> And, and, and we haven't even addressed all the other inputs of content that we take in. But he says this instead, this is, man, this is what I want for you. Speaking the truth in love. That's what I hope you receive today. I hope you receive truth and I hope you receive it with a whole lot of love. We will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. In other words, what Paul is saying is that I want to speak truth to you. And the reason I want to speak truth to you is not just to be right. The point isn't to make a point. For too long, that's been Christian's perspective. I've got the corner on right and I'm going to make a point. You've made so many points, you've never made a difference. The goal is to make a difference. Are you with me? He says, the goal is I'm going to speak the truth to you in love. Why? So that you can grow into maturity. In other words, into the one who is the head, even Christ. What is he saying? The point of finding truth is to become more like Jesus. So I want truth not to be right. I want truth because I want to be transformed into who Jesus. So whenever people meet me, I want them to experience the love of Jesus, how Jesus would talk, how Jesus would treat people, how Jesus, are y'all following me? That's the point of truth. So I'm going to give you four thoughts real quick on truth. You're still with me? Say amen. All right. Number one is this, is that truth is a person. Truth isn't a concept. Truth isn't facts and figures. Truth is 
a person. It's what Jesus said in John chapter 14. He said, I am the way and the, everybody shout it, and the, and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This is the exclusivity of Jesus Christ. He says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. So truth isn't a concept. Truth is a person. So if I want to know truth, I have to source it or I have to go to the right source. And the right source is the person of Jesus. So whenever I'm facing issues in life that I need truth about, then I need to look to Jesus. So whenever I'm dealing with the issues that, that are plaguing our world, I've got to go, what would Jesus do about this? Whenever I want to know how to be a, a husband, I've got to go, what did Jesus say about this? Whenever I want to know about what is the truth on parenting, I need to go to Jesus. What is the truth on my money? What is the truth on social issues? What is the truth on, I've got to go to Jesus because truth is a person. And here's the deal. The reason relativism is so dangerous is because it is wanting to erase the person of Jesus, not principles, not philosophy. It's wanting to remove a person out of your life. And if you will read the stats on mental health and suicide and alcoholism and divorce rate, you will find removing Jesus doesn't work. It doesn't work. This is why Jesus said, I am the way. If you want to know the way, come follow me. If you want to know the truth, come follow me. And I will lead you to the life. This is important. The word life there in the Greek is not the word bios or biology, like the kind of life you got whenever you were born. It is the word zoe. It is a fulfilling life and a life that can't be removed from you. It's an eternal life. So he said, I've come to give you the way. I've come to show you the truth. And I've come to lead you to what life you really want. It's the way, the truth, and the life. He goes on to John 1, it says this, it says, in the beginning was the word. It's a metaphor. And the word was with God and the word was God. Now we're about to find out the word is a person. He, that's a pronoun. Is that right? Pronoun. I didn't do great at English. He was with God, he was with God in the beginning. So the word is Jesus who was there at the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. Verse 14, we jump down, says, so the word, who's the word? Jesus. Man, you're good students. <laughs> the word became flesh, born of a virgin, and made his dwelling among us. And we've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace. And Jesus was what? Full of, say it with me. It's full of truth. So the truth is a person, not a concept, not a set of principles, not a list of rules and regulations. It is a person. So when I fall in love with Jesus, I'm going to fall in love with truth because he is the source of truth. He's the originator of truth. He is the embodiment of truth. And if I erase Jesus, I erase truth. Yeah. So he says, in the beginning was the word. So here's how I like to say it. If you want to see Jesus, you open his word. 
And when you open the word, guess who you see? You see Jesus, because he is the word. Is this helping? We getting this? Number two, truth is freedom. Truth is freedom. Some people see, view truth in the Bible and scriptures. Well, that's outdated. That's a, no, no. I mean, stats show it's not working, living your way. And so it's not, it's, it's, let me say it this way. The designer of the operating system of your life knows how to best run your life. And there's actually freedom when you live according to his principles. It's what the scripture teaches us in John chapter eight. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, if you do my way, my truth, him, not mine, his life, you really are my disciples. So how do you know you're really in God's family? Because you're holding to his teachings. I didn't say you're perfect. This is the pursuit of your heart. That's how you'll know. You don't know it by coming to church. It's just like if I'm in a garage, I'm not a car. I'm just standing in a garage. This is how you know you're a follower of Jesus. You hold this teachings. Then you'll know the truth. Why? Because he is the way, the truth, and the life. So as you follow him, you know truth. And the truth does what? Sets you free. So there's freedom in truth. Number three, truth is foundational. In other words, truth is is a foundation I can build my life upon. It's a firm foundation. I love the way the message says this in Matthew 7. It says, these words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life. Homeowner improvements to your standard of living. So it's not like I'll, just, I'll take a little bit of Jesus, a little bit. No, he says, they're foundational words. They're words to build your life on. So in other words, Jesus is revealed in the scripture. And when I open the scripture, I see Jesus. And so I'm going to, I'm not just going to, we're talking about going all in. I'm, I'm going to go all in with Jesus. So I'm going to go all in on how he says to do marriage. I'm going to go all in on how he says to do parenting. I'm going to go all in on how he says to do my finances. I'm going to go all in on how he says I should treat people that don't look like me, talk like me, think like me. I'm going to go all in on what Jesus says about how I should vote. You mean Jesus? Well, he gives you some things to think about. And unfortunately, you can't find a candidate that lines completely up with him. I'm an equal opportunity offender today. <laughs> he says, and if you work these words, I love that. If you work the word into your life, you're like a smart carpenter who builds his house on solid rock. When you don't work the word and you work your truth, your feeling, the inverse is true. It's like an unwise carpenter building your house on sand. And eventually when the storm comes and the rains come, it will not stand. Truth is foundational. Last one is this, is truth is revealed. It's the beautiful thing is that Jesus didn't leave us without truth but he revealed truth. John five says this, it says, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that from them you have eternal life. In other words, you think that, the, he's speaking to Jewish people who were like, they were so, they had so much pride that they had memorized all of the scripture. And he said, you're putting your faith in your performance of knowing the word. And these are the very scriptures that testify to me, yet you refuse to come to me and have eternal life. In other words, you know all these facts and figures and you've missed the whole point. It's Jesus. 
I love what first Peter says. He says, all flesh is as grass and all the glory of man as the flower of the grass. And so the grass withers, your flesh will wither away and its flower falls, but the word of the Lord endures forever. In other words, God's gonna make sure that his word is preserved from generation to generation to generation. And he's done that, why? Because the word of God is beneficial to us. All scripture is God breathed. It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting. We don't like those two. And training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped. I don't think it's a far stretch to say thoroughly mature for every good work. So the word of God's been revealed to us. We have it in our hand. Well, pastor, I've I've just heard that it's an ancient text and it can't be trusted and it's been translated and it's been messed up all along, blah, 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 blah. And I could spend probably a, a whole series on why I believe the Bible is reliable. But I wanna give you one like in an ocean of reasons why I believe the Bible is reliable, I wanna give you like one sand, one piece of sand, okay? And it's the text itself and the copies of the text that we have that can be compared against one another to the originals. Are you with me? I wanna show you through ancient history, the comparison to the writings of Plato between the original copy, are you with me? The original writing and the first copy we have. The time span between that is 1200 years. And the number of copies we have are only seven. So you can only compare the seven to go, do they all say the same thing? Are they all trustworthy? Writings of Caesar. The time span between original and copy, a thousand years, a little better. And the number of copies is 10. So you can only compare 10 copies and go, do all 10 say the same thing? Are they all the same? Are they all reliable? Aristotle, the time span is 1400 years between origin, first copy. And the number of copies is 49. It's a little better. You bring 49 copies together and go, are there discrepancies? Are there things left out in one and not in the other? Are they, y'all still with me? This is, this is one little, this isn't the whole thing. This is one little apologetic. That, that doesn't mean apologize. It means a defense for your faith. Just one little, one little teeny. I mean, there's a bunch I could give you. Homer's Iliad. We all got tortured with that in school, right? I'm kidding, all the English teachers. Blessings on you in the name of Jesus. I knew what a pronoun was because of you. Thank God. Homer's Iliad is one of the best, but 500 years. It's one of the shortest time span, and it has one of the most number of copies, 643. So you can compare. So let's go just New Testament, not entire scripture, just the New Testament by itself. Between origin and first copy, this is the best one of any ancient text, 500 years, except for the New Testament's less than 100 years because it was an oral society and it was passed down traditionally through oral means. But this should blow your mind. 
number of copies so we can compare, so we can go, all right, Matthew says this in one copy, but did he say this in chapter one, the other copy and another copy and another copy? The best one we have 643, that would, that would be pretty good proof, right? Well, the New Testament, when you add them all up, there's 24,000 copies from all over the ancient world. Just one little, one little reason I look at the scriptures and go, it's reliable. So I got homework for you. If you're visiting, we don't get homework every Sunday and you will be checked next Sunday if you come back. I'm kidding. I just want, I want you to apply this in real life. If you're with me, say amen. I want you to apply this in real life. Here's your homework, you ready? Number one is this, is test the content and messages you're receiving. So as you're scrolling, don't just mindlessly digest. When something is like, I don't know about that. I'm not gonna go, do I think that's true? No, I'm gonna go, does the scripture say it's true? Are you with me? And then this may be the harder one, but number two, just this, you all right? This may be harder. Maybe I'll leave it off for the day. I'll give it to you. It just, it may challenge you. Before you post, <laughs> you want me to take it off? You get it away? Before you post, ask, is this true? And is this helpful? Because just because you can make a point doesn't mean you'll make a difference. Come on, do you receive the word today? Every head bowed, every eye closed at all of our campuses. And if you can, if you're online, for some of you today, the, the next step isn't test the content. It's not necessarily think before you post. But today for some of you, the step that you need to take is, is as I said earlier, as we were worshiping that Jesus didn't come to give you a religion, he came to give you a relationship. And you've never entered into a relationship with Jesus. You've never taken that step. You've maybe been to church and maybe you'd even, if someone were to ask you, you're Christian, you'd say, yeah, sure I am. But you don't know in your heart, you don't have confidence in your heart that heaven is your home and you don't know that you're, you're in relationship with Jesus, that your sins are forgiven. Today, I wanna to give you that opportunity to do that. I'm not asking you to join this church. I'm inviting you to meet Jesus and to surrender your life to him and to go, I'm gonna live your way. You're, you're the way, you're the truth, you're the life. No man comes to the Father except through Jesus. He invites you into this relationship today. And the Bible says that we've all sinned and that's not meant to condemn you, not trying to beat you up. It's the reality of humanity. You don't have to look very far even in your own life to know that's true. And it says that the wages or the penalty of sin is death. That word death means separation from God, eternal separation. And it says, but the gift of God, God came to give this beautiful gift, is his son Jesus. And Jesus came and he lived a perfect life without sin so that he could pay the price for sin. That's what he did on the cross. And then he rose again three days later, giving validity or proof that he is who he said he was, the son of God with the power to take away the sin of the world. And so the reality is today, all of us 
are trusting in something. We have faith in something. Maybe you'd say, I don't have faith. I'd say, yeah, you do. You just may have it in your career or in your 401k or in your good works or your best effort or in your popularity. And I'm just saying the only thing worthy of your faith is Jesus. And so today I want in a moment, we're gonna pray together. And if you'd say, pastor, I need a new start today. I wanna put my trust in Jesus today. I'm tired of doing it my way. I wanna do it his way. I believe he's the truth, he's the life, he's the way. So before we pray, I just wanna know who I'm praying with at every location. No one's gonna come to you, no one will point you out. I wouldn't embarrass you for the world. That's not how we operate. I just wanna know who I'm praying with today. And so in just a second, I'm gonna count to three. And when I do, I'm just gonna ask you to shoot your hand up high enough, long enough for me to see, or your campus pastor at your location to see. And then we're gonna pray together as a church. So if that's you, when I count to three, today's your day, you just shoot your hand up. One, two, three, you just shoot it up high. God bless you. God bless you. I see, I see you in the back. Incredible, I see you. It's beautiful. You can put it down. Church, let's pray together out loud all across the church today for those who just shot their hand up. Just say, Jesus, I need you. I ask you to forgive me of all my sin. I believe you died for me. I believe God raised you from the dead. Today, I make you my Lord and Savior. Thank you for a brand new beginning. In Jesus' name, everybody said a big amen. Amen. Come on, let's put our hands together for those who made that decision. It's incredible. Thanks for joining us for today's message. Feel free to rate, review, and share with a friend. If you'd like to find out how you can get involved or partner with us financially, visit lifepoint.org or download the LifePoint app. Thank you for your generosity. We can do so much more together than we ever could apart. See you soon.